0: Welcome, Investigator. Evil is on the rise. Crime is escalating. Our mission is to eliminate the crime by exposing evil, examine why it manifests, and highlight the brave souls that confront it every day. Join us as we work together to bring justice to every victim. Welcome to All Things Crime. Here's your host, Jared Bradley. Hey guys, it's Jared. It's episode two of my discussion with Colleen Fitzpatrick, the founder of Identifinders International. And if you listen to episode one, you know that she is just a genius, and when especially when it comes to forensics genealogy. So here is episode two.
1: And also I know that Verigen, who owns Chedmatch, is working on getting uh, their, you know, uh, processing into the crime labs. So it's not far in the future that you know, genealogy is going to be more acceptable. It's just not right now.
0: Right. Yeah, I think when it does, um, well, there, there's a there's a fear out there, and some people have it at least, where they said, you know what, my DNA could show up at a crime scene just by random. You know, say I was there a week earlier, I, I wasn't any part of the crime, but because my D- DNA was there, I'm going to get I'm gonna get uh, convicted for this crime that I didn't commit. And I, I think you, you hinted on it, but it's when you have DNA, I mean, unless you actually have a confession and you know solid one-to-one DNA that's like super strong, uh, that's a CODIS match, but, um, but even if you have the forensics gene- genealogy type of a match, uh, it's still just one cog in the wheel. It's just one of the, uh, well, especially the forensics genealogy is more of just a lead, but even having DNA there at the crime scene doesn't mean an automatic conviction.
1: Correct. You know, there's a lot of work, like I've solved a lot of old crimes. You know, that's what's been happening in the community. And, you know, it, it's very difficult because, for example, the Bennett murder, you know, I... I contributed to that. All right. That was an Aurora in the eighties. All right, I'm gonna say I'm a contributor, or even Phoenix Canal. Let's let's look at that. You know, I came up with the name Miller, as well known. First case solved using genealogy. They arrested Mr. Brian Patrick Miller. He's gonna be on trial hopefully soon. But it's been seven years now. What have they been doing? Well, really up front they had to establish he was in the area that he had the opportunity, that he wasn't out of town when these crimes were committed. You know, all kinds of, you know, they had to, you know, whatever. They had to search his property to see, excuse me, if the bicycles were there. They had to, suppose they found one of the girls' bicycles there, you know. They get evidence, you know, there's lots and lots. They look at his criminal history and so on. So you just can't pick DNA up and... And, and it's been shown, you know, I, I, I'm holding this cup, you know, two days from now, my DNA is still going to be on that cup. Uh, you know, DNA can survive the laundry. They've shown that. So a father's playing with his baby. He goes off to a, you know, a business meeting the next day, something happens to the baby. His DNA is on that jumper, but he wasn't there. They have to, he, they, I wasn't there, right. you know, so there's, there's a whole legal system. Now it, you know, it's not perfect, but this whole list, legal system to make sure, to make sure, you know, that the right person is the one that they put on trial.
0: Right. And I think this is also a, a great explanation of why some cases take so long, because establishing those links, uh, like I said, even if your DNA is at the crime scene, doesn't necessarily mean that you're going to get convicted of it, because yeah. it can it can the, the detective's job is to, without a shadow of a doubt, uh, establish that the DNA is related to the crime, not just that it happened to be there. And right. I, I really love that as far as our, um, and, and I'm sure other justice systems around the world uh, are, are similar in that, in that they, they have to have a, a, a solid trail of evidence leading up to the murder so that there's there's no reasonable doubt that the person actually committed the crime and yeah. you know dna is just a tool it's not it's not the end all be all
1: yeah now i want to say there are certain limits on what you can and can't upload to codis you know you have to have some reasonable idea it could be the mr x's dna and for and that's where like a benefit of genealogy because suppose um, Uh, There was an agency that came to me, and they said they found a cigarette butt, and it was a female, you know, had smoked a cigarette. And you can develop the profile in your own lab. You can have that. You could do in the lab maybe a few comparisons. I'm not really up to date on that. But uploading it to the convicted offender database, you can't do. You know, unless you're sure. Well, they came up with a cigarette bot with a female profile, and they knew it wasn't the killer. So they put it into genealogy. They did reprocess it for the SNIPS, and that was a, maybe a witness, right? Maybe a witness, and, and it's okay to, to take the DNA and do genealogy, find out who that cigarette belonged to, and if that woman was there at the time of the crime, and she may have seen something.
0: Mm, interesting. Yeah, well... You know following every lead to the to exhaustion is is what um I, some of these detectives are just so persistent and and dogmatic about it they just go yeah. on and on and on and you know that's what we pay yeah. them to do and and frankly i think that's a a quality that very few people uh, possess to be able to continue on for decades if they have to to yeah. uh, to solve some of these cases so so yeah you know, before we run out of uh, run out of time, we have to. I, I think it would be really interesting if you could delve a little more into uh, the the Phoenix Canal Murders. Can you describe kind of what happened and, and how it was eventually solved?
1: Um, yeah, <clears throat> I can. There was uh, the 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 Phoenix Canal Murders refer to the homicides of two women in Phoenix, Arizona, in 1992 and 1993. In 1992, uh, the woman's name was Angela Brasso. Uh, She was a young executive at a company. I think she was from like Wisconsin or Minnesota. She had moved into the area recently, and she lived with a boyfriend, and one evening she went out riding her bike along the Arizona Canal, and she didn't come back. So her boyfriend um, issued a missing persons report, and the next day they found a woman that, who had been decapitated in a lot and they deduced it was Angela because she was the only really w- missing persons report you know they put two and two together her head was missing so about 10 days later they found her head in the canal it floated it had caught on a like a grating in the canal and so they retrieved it and by then i think they had done dna and they knew it was Angela. Um, so Phoenix, of course, went on high alert. I mean, it was, you know, really, uh, you know, a very tense time for the city. After a while, though, you know, nothing happens. People forget. And, and so about a year later, Melanie Bernas, who was, I think, a high school junior or senior, went riding her bike along the Arizona Canal in the evening, and she never came back. Um, she was found floating in the canal like a day or two later wearing clothes that didn't belong to her. So this was 92, 93, and this was just about the time CODIS was kind of kicking in. So I think it took, you know, people developed a database, you know, people developed the labs, and it it took several years before they linked those two murders with DNA. So the case went cold. And so it happened that in 2000, late 2014, I was in Arizona, I was in Phoenix for the International Symposium on Human Identification, ISHI. And as I had been, you know, doing Y-DNA comparisons with the genetic genealogy database, let me step aside and say, you can do similar comparisons with Y-DNA to the genealogy databases. We use Y STRs. For that, And the reason is that it's the same marker. So when genealogy got developed, you know, way back in 2000 and people were studying their family names, they borrowed the YSTRs from what the forensic people were doing. So for that reason, I didn't need to mess with DNA. All I could do is say, send me the Y profile, a PDF of the data. I'll put it in my software and I'll run a comparison with what the genealogists have. That's different from SNPs because, you know, SNPs and STRs and crime labs and private labs, it's all different. But early on, you could just plain work with the Y. So I had been going to different agencies for several years, you know, telling them, hey, this has got potential of finding a last name for your killer because Y-DNA is, goes with the last name. So I went to the conference. I, I made an appointment with the Phoenix police department before I left home and they were going to be at the conference they said sure come on by you know we'll talk what you have in mind so I went over there in the middle of the conference had a meeting with them did a powerpoint on how you take your Y DNA from a crime scene and how it could match the genealogy and what it could tell you the ethnicity it could tell you the last name maybe a nationality and leaving they said we have a case we've been working on that we might send you. And I said, sure. And then in January, they finally sent me a PDF of the, you know, Y data. And I put it in my software and I came up with the name Miller. Um, and I didn't think anything about it. You know, I just turned it in. Okay, I had been doing this, you know, for a while. And then uh, I'd say a couple of weeks later, I got a an email from... Oh, actually, I a couple of weeks later, I was in a restaurant with a friend at dinner one night, and one of the detectives called me. You know, at eight o'clock at night, and I thought, "Gee, that's that's kind of weird." You know, it's. I think it's like nine o'clock in Arizona now. I told my friend, "I I got to take this," and when I did, he said, "You were right. It it you got we got him. His name is Miller." And I, I like I screamed out in the restaurant. Oh my God! They got him! You know, it's like everybody's what she's what is wrong with her? And I'm like, oh, I'm. <laughs> what did I say? Um, and then, um, I, you know, I it was. I went home, turned on the <clears throat> turned on the TV, and um, you know there they were at Mister Miller's trailer. You know, looking for evidence, and the police department had told me that don't go to the media. Don't talk to the media because this was brand new. Mm -hmm. You got to understand this is brand new. Nobody knows the legalities. Don't go to the media. And I had people calling me. They found out who I was. And I I really went into, uh, you know, stress over the cell phone ringing and seeing those numbers come up. And I stayed under the radar. I stayed. Now, after a couple of years, they filed Freedom of Information. You know, it kind of loosened up, and I was able to talk. But until then, I I really didn't say anything. Also, I want to say I had had been having hate mail from the genealogy community for what I was doing. And because Big Brother has my DNA, run for the hills, they're going to arrest me any minute. My name is Miller. Oh, my God not really as we've discussed right. there's a process
0: that's so interesting and
1: you know i got so for those two reasons you know the the genealogy community didn't get it there was a lot of ignorance uh, you know in a in not in a bad way but just un uninformedness and about the legal system that has i'm very happy to say you know dispelled people are now really discussing real issues and not just oh my God, they're gonna come get me any day no no, but also the police said there's some legalities we don't know about, please you know stay away from the media, which was fine i I didn't I didn't want that exposure for the other reason, yeah, and so then they arrested him, and that was it
0: wow so so they 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 got the name from you and then. Uh, I'm sure that narrowed down the suspects, and then they were able Oh, to...
1: yeah, yeah. They had, you know, this is 92 to 2015. I mean, wh- how many years is that? So they had 2,000 suspects, and they narrowed... Miller, they only five Millers. And you look at those five Millers, and there's really one you can't miss. You can't miss. And Mr. Miller, Mr. Brian Patrick Miller, had already had been uh, arrested a couple of times once as a juvenile and then another one uh he got off on self-defense so his dna wasn't in the database but you know everything else you add and subtract and you watch and his dna matched the dna at the crime scene they kind of got it from a glass of water and you know they you know the usual stuff and then so you're know, you talking the reference the, sample yeah. yeah. And they, you know, they, they got his DNA, they compared it to crime scene, and then they could arrest him. And then they took his DNA at the police station, and that would be the evidence that's used in court.
0: Right. So, off of the crime scene, uh, do you know where they got the evidence?
1: No, it was, uh, he may have sexually assaulted the women, I don't know. Could have been the clothes the other woman was wearing. I, I just, I they may have told me, but to me it's not important they they right. linked it on dna i know that and that's it
0: yeah well it's um uh the interesting thing is i mean as far as the mvac goes that's usually where uh, our our the majority of our focus is 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 yeah. where we're gonna get i the... love
1: MVAC. Oh. i love MVAC. that's like a genius invention oh
0: well yeah i wish my dad was still around that you know you could tell him that in person he would he would really appreciate that yeah. but
1: yeah um He's good.
0: Yeah, but it's finding, you know, finding evidence that's again from the crime scene that's viable evidence, especially after yeah. all that time. Um, yeah. You know, a lot, sometimes that's really difficult, and uh, but being able to to find a good viable profile and then have a reference sample to compare it to is is yeah. really important. And that's that one to one that you were talking about. But uh, yeah. to me, it's just genius using. The, the forensics genealogy side in order to get that lead and narrow down the suspects. And my understanding is yeah. the GSK killer was kind of the same way. They, they basically had crime scene DNA, but there was thousands of people that because he wasn't in the the CODIS database. And so they had nobody to compare no. it to, but the the, the genealogy side of it was able to narrow down the suspects. Then, they could um they could focus i mean even 10 suspects is manageable you know you can then send send your detectives out there to go get get the guy's dna even if he doesn't submit it like you said you know he'll he'll drink something at a restaurant and leave it there
1: or smoke a cigarette
0: right right so
1: um, well, I, I want to comment. Can I comment on that? Oh, of course. Because, okay, my my understanding, and, and Barbara Ray is the one who gets total high marks for that GSK case. My understanding, what I heard, is they got down to maybe six people, mm-hmm. it could have been. And I maybe uh, this is close. Okay, might not be exactly right. And that they, uh, you know, the snips can tell you eye color. And they found out that the killer had blue eyes from the SNPs, and five, only one had blue eyes, and that was Joe D'Angelo. Oh,
0: wow. And so that's yeah. the way,
1: isn't that cool? And the other other kind of cool thing I want to say is that back in about 2012, I went to the Irvine Police Department to talk about the Golden State Killer, because I guess they were interested in the Y DNA. So... Um, When I went down there, I talked to the the people, there were three people, two people, two people there, and, no, three people, and I stayed in touch with them over time. And I said, um, you know, I have this idea, because in 2012, you had GEDmatch, but it was a very small database. You had Ancestry, 23andMe, Uh, it was all small, they hadn't really taken off yet. I said, I have an idea. Why don't you go to police departments, fire departments, military installations, and why don't you ask, make it a requirement that they give their DNA to make like a GEDmatch type database for police officers and government workers. And that way, it, you know, you wouldn't have to mess with GEDmatch and all the genealogists, but you could have like a dedicated database for law enforcement. And it wouldn't matter who was in the database as long as it was a cross-section of America because you're going to find the families anyway. And so I said, you could take an unknown profile, process it like through, well, Ancestry, but you know, now we know you can't do that, but process in a similar way, put it in the database and do like adoption searches. And this was 2012. And so they thought about it and they, Larry Poole said, well, wait a minute. Okay, let me think about it. So subsequently, I went to a couple of police departments and I said, um, you know, I have this idea, you know, could you give your DNA into a database and we could do the genealogy? And the first uh, police department said that they didn't think it would work for political reasons because a department would use DNA as a bargaining point in, in contract negotiations with the union. You know, we'll give you DNA, but you have to give us a raise. You know, that type of thing. <laughs> so he said, probably won't work. It's it's too much political stuff going on. So I said, okay, can't fight that battle. And I went to another police department. I don't even remember who it was. And I said, hey, why don't you make this database? And he said, well, I don't think it'll work because, you know, there's crooked cops, too. And the Golden State Killer was a crooked cop.
0: Mm. Well. Uh, you know the the difference is, if you're submitting your DNA to be put into the CODIS database, then yeah, I would understand that because again, you're looking for a one-to-one search. But if it's a if yeah. it's a familiar uh, search, then um, uh, well, I mean, except for the crooked cops, every cop should be d- d- putting their DNA in there because it helps in- enhance the database. Yeah, and. And that enables larger searches.
1: Yeah, well, let me say you don't put your, your DNA in any CODIS database. Right. You let law enforcement, right? But secondly, it's not familial searching. It's genealogical. Familial searching is in law enforcement. That's a term used for not not exact matches, you know, that are near matches or partial matches in the CODIS system. Familial search has nothing to do with genealogy.
0: Oh, I apologize to for that. To get the yeah, I was, I was conflating the two. Yeah,
1: just I fight that. I fight <laughs> against that kind of misunderstanding.
0: Well, that's uh, uh, we'll 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 have to count up how many times you have to correct me on this before we're done.
1: Okay, no, that's good. That's <laughs> just once.
0: No, that's twice. Remember, I uh, I screwed up your identifiers or finders.
1: Oh, no. Okay. Okay. You get two, two, a gold star with two points. Yeah.
0: or, Or two strikes. So one more and we're done, right? Thanks for joining us. Your attention today brings us one step closer to exposing and eliminating the evil that brings crime to our communities. Hit subscribe and share this episode. Together, we will bring justice to every victim.